My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and minimalism enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and ethics enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets philosophy. And what it means to build a better life. Enjoy the show. Hi. What's going on? Uh, we're going to talk about the 4-Hour Workweek. And that's exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the first book review we're doing. It's uh, going to be fun. I, I I like this one. But uh, before we get into the book, how are you, mate? Doing well. I told you this is the hardest part of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Checking in with myself. Um, Good break. Good uh, little Easter break vacation. Uh, Didn't go anywhere due to the pandemic. But that was, was kind of nice. I just got to... Uh, I got to uh, schedule my time out a little better with some uh, oh yeah <laughs> some help from you. Started yeah. time blocking, so that was exciting. I'm feeling a little more on top of my stuff, and the weather's getting nice. Oh man, dude, we've been running, and it's like 70. Uh, oh, mid 60s even better. Honestly, man, holy, oh good lord. You can't beat a Chicago summer. It's a good feeling. You can't beat the begin the feel the mm, the beginning feeling, and then like the mornings, man, because like during the day though it gets a little. little hot though yeah a little little sticky not yet right now it's just perfect the whole day so i can take that i can take that for what it is um how are you i'm all right you know we uh i got a lot of days off of school yeah for in sure. a row yeah i don't have i usually have class monday tuesday thursday thursday i got canceled due to easter break thank you religion i don't i, I practice the later one but i'll take this this Easter time off. Yeah, get the days now. Get, you won't get, get them now. later. I won't get exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we're in the minority. I know. Um, and then I, I, I'm having class tonight, which is Tuesday. So yeah, I, I had a whole. That's a lot of time. That is a long hiatus. Although I will admit, you know what? Wait a second. I haven't had class in a week. I don't have class on Wednesdays either. Yeah. I didn't come to grips with the fact that that's. How my schedule is. Yeah, being a graduate student must be yeah, that's nice. That's pretty great. <laughs> Good lord. All right. Yeah, no, my week is pretty chill. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I uh, got ahead on stuff. We got a lot of uh group projects again. I had midterms like I mentioned last time, but now like the fine uh, it's only ten week quarters, so you never really get like a crazy lull. There's never like the the cyclical nature of classes is is abbreviated. Right. Yeah, that makes sense with the 10 week cycle obviously yeah i i kind of prefer it though it makes me feel like i have to care about the quarters but then i also feel like i always get that like first week of like oh I, i'm not really doing anything because that's how classes for your entire existence unless you're in like a a pre-med track or you're in med school i don't i don't know why they do this to us but they do you're saying the first week is still chill oh god despite being only 10 weeks oh god yeah. really yeah they don't just it's like, oh, read for next week. Oh, wow. It's a whole week later. It's not like an undergrad, right? Where you have class on like Wednesday. Yeah, right. And they're like, okay. If, if the professor goes read to like read Wednesday on after Monday, you're like, ah, oh, dang. That's like, I don't get, I usually get that for the next week. So it's not really not a big deal. Yeah. It's kind of scary, but also nice when you don't have like more than one week check-in with school. I feel yeah. Like if you don't keep yourself accountable, then... <laughs> You can you can struggle if you don't keep yourself accountable. Like, you say you want to go to a sporting event instead of going to class, and you're not good with your time. That that'd be a death sentence. Yeah, exactly. Well, not really. That was that was morbid and over the top. 
but he got the point. Missing yeah, one week is huge. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's ninety. I mean, ten percent. So you can't do it because there's no finals yeah. week. We don't have finals weeks. Wow. The tenth week is finals week, which is another slept on like little nugget. Right. Anyways, um, please leave a review if you are a fan of the podcast. I, I want to ask this early on before people get off. We have Apple Podcasts. Uh, all those different platforms don't do reviews. But if you do have an Apple account, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I want to know what you guys think about the show. If you, if you have five stars of, uh, of happiness towards the show, give it. <laughs> we won't mind. We will not mind. And speaking of reviews, be sure to tell us your thoughts on the four hour work week as we give you our thoughts of the four hour work week. <laughs> That's a cute little segue. Um, he's learning. He's the Padawan is learning. Um, <laughs> no, that was good. Uh, my, what are your initial thoughts on the book? Initial thoughts. Um, it's just like off to, off the cuff. What's the first thing comes to your mind when you think of the book? He's brash. Oh man. He is. I mean, there's no, you know, no fat, no fluff there. It is just, the facts, how he feels, and didn't care about how you feel. Facts, man. I mean, he genuinely just spoke on what he thinks is true, and there is there there's no alternative. I, I did not hear him give much. Of, there's not much hedging. Oh no, not at all. There were there minimal. Yeah, very minimal hedging. I think it speaks to the efficacy of hedging because it's. Because it's so aggressive and so demanding right now, it seems to create a better call to action than like, well, you know, in these circumstances it does or doesn't, you know. Yeah, true. Uh, I wonder whether he was so not, maybe, I think it's mainly his personality, right? People are more brash naturally sometimes. But I wonder if he had written this book in 2021 like how different it would sound. I know he's edited the book many times over, but you're still going to keep the base framework pretty similar. Yeah, I was curious about that because I feel like he was writing that high of, you know, kind of figuring all this stuff out and reaching that clarity. And he's like, well, it's simple. Like It's simple. Just do this. I just figured it out. Why can't you figure it out? Do this. Yeah. And he, he talks a lot about like, there's different scenarios, which is pretty funny to me. I don't know. This is a minor segue before we get into the main topics, but you ever notice that geniuses or like very successful people like to be referenced as the guy who flunked out of blank or like the guy who failed at this? Oh, they love being trailblazers, man. Yeah. He, he points out the fact that he like failed high school Spanish, but then he's able to like learn uh, and be conversationally fluent in, in 12 different languages in six months. Sorry, six months for each language. Right, yeah, right. I was just like, you know, you bringing that up just makes me... It, looking further than what you're trying to prove, I just know that means you didn't care in high school. For sure. I think that's the case with a lot of those entrepreneurs. But also, I think with Spanish specifically, that goes into a conversation of the inadequacy of our education system on languages. Oh, God, they fail. Yeah. I think a lot of people I've spoke to that are learning fourth or fifth language are like, the education system doesn't do it right. It's all about, you know, real life practice being conversational, not like necessarily learning all the nitty gritty first. Yeah, true. And when we know people uh, in our personal group who, who know multiple languages, who speak Spanish fluently they're from Spain or French, they're from Quebec and they speak English very well. And I mean, they figured it out quickly due to 
being thrown into it, being given classes that were probably pretty conversational from what I heard. So, right. Yeah. It's much more about immersion than any kind of classroom education that's going to get you the furthest. Yeah. But I just felt like throughout the book, just not to knock Tim, but a lot of very successful people do this. And I probably do it sometimes when I reference to people like <laughs> you've seen, I just heard me do it earlier about the like, Oh, I, I used to get like barely any sleep when I played video games too much. I was just like, I, they do this thing where they are a very smart or very successful person. Right. And they are capable of great things. And then they point to their level, like their point in their life where they apply themselves to the least and then said, see, but I can do, you can do this because I failed at that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not the equivalent of the average high school guy that flunks Spanish. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that whole appeal to like the average person, you know? Yeah. You it's like, oh, it. look at me. Like I was there. I was like you once. Now I'm a millionaire. Yeah. Maybe everyone's a genius. We just all are applying ourselves poorly. Yeah. You got to apply yourself in your own way. I don't know if everyone's a genius, but <laughs> <laughs> we could certainly be optimizing. A little bit better. A little bit better. A lot of it better based on this book. He talks, I think another initial thought I had on it was, you know, he did, he did have a lot of good time management principles that I've talked about before. Like he talked about Parkinson's law, which is good. Yeah. I was a fan of that. Time, bo- uh, task batching. Task batching. I think he, he did talk about time blocking talk, too. He did. Yeah. So he, not checking your email in the morning. Huge. Huge. And the crazy thing is, I think this book came out in like 2004 I yeah, say. I didn't check the date on that. I was curious if you knew. Yeah, it was like early mid 2000s. And that's why a lot of this stuff was like groundbreaking at the time. Like when <laughs> this is why this is a big book. This is why right. this is a big deal. Yeah. I feel like the whole idea of virtual office space or whatever is, I don't know, at the time probably seemed forward thinking, but I'm not going to say archaic now, but certainly commonplace now, especially in light of the whole pandemic and moving people to virtual settings. Yeah. And like the main thing that I, that I think about when I, when I read this book and I don't know about you was how applicable is this to now and how, I don't want to say how outdated the book is because it's got a lot of good information. How like not groundbreaking is it anymore? Oh, yeah. I mean, even 15 years later, you know, 20-ish, it seems like it's not groundbreaking anymore. Like, you know, this whole idea of um, automating yourself out of work or, you know, automating the most amount of responsibility at the workplace seems very analogous with essential workers. And it's like, Mm, yeah, it doesn't seem I'm sure he had to be forerunning at the time because, I mean, it was the age of the Internet and the whole boom of that i mean even throughout the book you can see the www on like every source reference i feel like that's just not the way that sources are referenced anymore on the internet at all and so it's just showing how preliminary the internet was but getting back to the essential workers thing i just think it's interesting now that we're seeing this whole thing where people are finally realizing that working at home is increasing your productivity when you remove the commute and the uh, what do you call it? Where you like talk around the water Oh yeah, cooler? it's uh, water cooler time. Water cooler time, yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, it's just, um, it's super intuitive for people now, but I think 15, 20 years ago, that's something that people just didn't fathom. Yeah, true. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm somebody who is a fan of 
you know, the new wave of thinking and a lot of like the new online guys like Graham Stephan and Nate O'Brien and these like online YouTubers who talk a lot about um, personal finance and in, in, in more of a positive way where people can can make some passive income through like dividend investing, REITs, all this kind of stuff. And then like coupling that with minimalism and you can live a lifestyle that's different. And it's more like this new rich thing that he was talking about a lot, which I thought was the term is great. It's <laughs> funny. It's it's top notch, Tim. I think it's it's. New I, rich is super. It's just funny to like flaunt because the it, new rich. I'm a member of the new rich. Like I'm not that old posh rich, posh posh rich. I'm the new rich. I don't, I'm not. I'm not eating bonbons in like my backyard while I'm sipping tea. No, I'm I'm living the life and not in that sort of snobby way. Yeah, and it's like, I feel like it's funny that like. I could say it with a certain level of validity because it's like, it's more so a mindset or like a, yeah. a conceptual wheelhouse where it's like, it's this whole idea of, you know, removing this idea of like retirement and bringing in the incremental, whatever he calls them, smaller retirements, the, uh, the dreamlining. And it's about, you know, this removing work and at worst finding a vocation, but better yet, you know, achieving some adventure or other thing that you'd rather be doing yeah man and i was like i was thinking about a lot of the the little trips that he took throughout his life and thinking like how much value that added to his to his life in general and it kind of brought me back to like our one of our first conversations about like whether routine leads to a meaningless life and um i just feel like he did a good job of articulating you know why and this can apply and this is this isn't answering my own question of like can this apply to modern times why do we think about working in this weird sort of way where we go, okay, in the best part of our lives, I w we want to work a lot to then save up to chill when we're going to be like in this sort of state of, uh, let's just call it what it is. When you, when you get it to a certain age, your life quality decreases because your body's breaking down and that's just how it is. It's sad, but that's like the life we go through. Like, why are we so caught up on like, working really hard when like our body can appreciate our body our mind can like appreciate probably the most of it and then like right. it's like that you know that saying um youth is wasted or what's it called youth is wasted on the young like that that like elders like to say sure like, yeah youth ever, is wasted on the young like youth is wasted on yeah it's it's like a weird maybe i'm wrong you could be wrong but some like i've heard young this people before. are wasting their youth on yeah whatever like youth is wasted on the young in regards to they don't appreciate what they have while they sure. have it, right? Yeah. I would argue that like maybe that's like the fault of the way that we live our in our society, you know? Like the youth is only wasted on the young because everyone works until they're 65 and then enjoys their quote-unquote retirement and like when they're kind of past their prime. like Quotes and enjoys as well. <laughs> quote unquote enjoys their yeah. quote unquote retirement <laughs> yeah and i think if you do a good job planning your retirement uh, there's nothing wrong with like yeah you're you 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 are you should be done working when you're in your 60s don't get me wrong but it's just like why has no one ever considered uh, or not no one because he has but why did not many more people consider before this like yeah i could travel while i'm working and he, he really dives a lot into the to like what is your worry about this which i thought was good yeah, no, that's super interesting how he um, talks about the worries. But getting to your first point, I think um, there's a fair argument to be made that when you're your youngest, I mean, you can clock 80-hour work weeks if you wanted. You could 
eat Domino's pizza and Doritos and you'd probably still weigh the same because your metabolism is moving at a rapid speed and you're sleep deprived and still somehow balancing a work and health life. So I think that there's an argument there, but um, of course the the initial counter argument to that, aside from all the ones that he makes in his book, is how much more you're going to deteriorate your body for the uh, the finish line, right? See, that was a good point that he made. I hadn't like considered that aspect of it either. Like you're going to be in much of a worse state <laughs> than you would be in your 60s if you just worked so hard. Right. And then getting to the whole worries thing, I think it was super fruitful how he would ask you to like journal or like oh, what were they called like question and actions yeah that was like every chapter yeah i think those were pretty good how like some of them are dumb i mean like yeah. <laughs> we talked about the one where like you go into the mall and find the sex of your like interest and you ask them out or like ask for their numbers and it's like okay like i don't know exactly what kind of skill this is building besides blind confidence but yeah <laughs> The one where he was asking you to write down, what is your dream line? I mean, like, let's say, example, I want to bike Route 66 from Chicago to LA. What would be the worst case scenario if I stopped everything I did right now to go do that? Or, yeah. you know, plan it for a month, finance it, and then go do that. Like, And I wrote down the worst case scenario. And you it, did it? Oh, I did uh, it, yeah. I was just listening mainly. Okay. No, I, I journaled a few of the things that he asked to just because, I don't know, I find myself doing a lot more thinking when I'm actually writing or yeah, interacting. with it, yeah. Yeah. And it, it just isn't that bad. I mean, at worst, it's like I'm still doing school virtually. Yeah, true. <laughs> like I, it, That's kind of already gotten me out of the quote-unquote workspace. Exactly. And not that much would be bad. I'd be at a little bit of personal finance issues but i mean nothing like working a hard summer to fix that gap yeah see that that's a crazy thing that that he brought up in there that i thought was good he was considering going abroad for a year like taking a sabbatical right from his business because he was at the time working like 80 hour weeks making like 70k a month i think he was doing some sort of order fulfillment for businesses forgetting what it was exactly he didn't say the, the he, company, but he mm -hmm. said that he emailed the top CEO and somehow got in after like 30 emails. Yeah, right. And essentially he was like, okay, so what if I stop running this business, let the people under me run it? What's the worst thing that can happen? And his worst case scenario, he's like, man, it's like, what's the risk of this worst case scenario of me having 80% of my um, like net worth depleted? and losing the company what's the worst case scenario he's like i guess it's like a like a two risk like honestly i, I don't want to be crazy like, i don't want to be crazy about it and act like there's a crazy high risk and like, he said like two or a three on a like scale one to ten yeah and he's like what's the chances of like the the moderately good one he's like probably eight or nine like if i take the sabbatical it's probably gonna go fine why am i not why am i doing it and i thought that was a really a really cool little thing he did there where he, he showed how like people's biggest fears often are irrational until they then say what their actual biggest fears is until you like put out on the table what is your biggest fear about something you really are just kind of like irrationally fearful about it oh yeah and i think that gets into <clears throat> i guess it's something that a philosophers call reflexivity i don't understand it perfectly but it's being yeah. able to 
take your mind and almost develop like a self-manifesting reality. And it's like, I think that a lot of times we build up these barriers in our head that like, oh, going on a year sabbatical just doesn't make sense. Like, I, how would I finance? How would I finish my education? And it's like, there's so many different ways to do this. Like, you just can't let, you know, some reality, I want to say it's a self-fulfilling reality or self-manifesting reality, but it's almost someone else has already manifested for you. They say yeah. like, you know, work nine to five or, you know, you go to college right after high school and job after that. It's like, that's just super interesting to me. But um, yeah, I don't know. The, the When you actually break it down and realize that these worries aren't that big, I think it's super fruitful to get towards your dream lines. And dream lines, uh, <laughs> that might be a, a vocab word that requires defining before going yeah. on, but it's essentially just like some kind of vacation or like sabbatical as with, with him. It's just something that you want to do. I think he talked about like taking some huskies on a skiing trip or like a sledding trip <laughs> across Alaska. I was like, that's a obscure one, but okay. Yeah, that's a solid one. Um, I was just thinking for a second, you're a big anti-herd mentality guy, right? <laughs> for sure. Oh, you, you hate the herd. <laughs> um, I was just thinking to myself about, you know, this is definitely an anti-herd book. I mean, we're talking like some serious against the grain thinking here in regards to, especially... Um, more traditional and conservative thinking people, you know, people who work the nine to five think you got to grind it out and then like one day you'll retire and do the whatever. Right. So I wonder like whether a lot of like the fears of, I don't know if how, how traditional people, you know, that are like your elders are, but like, I feel like I've, I've had some more traditional mindset of people before. And I, I, well, they do think in, less traditional way sometimes i wonder whether like the generation above us in general you know if they were to take these steps that he talks about where like people say oh you can't go and do this like for example you can't go and take a few years off of college like take a few years off and then go into college right the reason is because i feel like they never try to conceive that the person's got a plan you know i'm not talking like one of those fake plans where you're like oh i'll take a year off and then i'll start again no like a lot of times when people do that i understand why parents are like no you can't do that it's because they don't have an action actionable plan right right i also think it runs in that same philosophy it's like well if working hard is you know pounding out a bunch of hours while you're young then the opposite is not doing that that would be laziness and not actually having some kind of plan when you attribute would you see someone that is saying i'm going to take some non-traditional route and stop doing college or the job now they're immediately going to attribute the juxtaposition of them as a hard-working mm. person as lazy and when they define you as that there's yeah. like no way they have a plan yeah they're just exactly. gonna they're just gonna go do whatever it's probably because they maybe from that point of view that more traditional sense of point of view they can't conceive the alternative thoughts like they're not someone who can make that plan yeah that definitely is part of it i would say i mean i think that this book kind of lays out some of those first steps and some of those i didn't always think about like i think one thing that really stuck with me is how regardless of what job you're doing you kind of need to have that entrepreneur mindset where it's like where can i creatively automate myself out of a job i feel like a yeah. lot of times if you're not a ceo people think well you know, the tasks are handed to me and I'm just going to complete them. 
but it's there's a lot more room for change and creativity within your space as an employee. And I think that being able to create, you know, smarter solutions, not just, you know, putting your nose to the grindstone is uh, super important. I think it, what I learned a little bit about for myself in this like entrepreneurial like side of things, as well as going into the workforce soon, um, was, you know, we have ways that we can really shave off time in our lives. First is automation before, um, oh, sorry, what was the other word? Um, automation before. Is it going to be a C? Uh, is this an ABC? No, it's when he, uh, before delegation. Before oh, delegation. Oh, right, 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 right. And I think that was really big. Like, I would love to delegate a lot of my work to others. That'd be awesome for, for what I have in my creative processes. Like, once this has income regarding it, you know, the best way to scale it theoretically would be to delegate and create more and create more streams of, you know, like say I made, made something on, we've talked about a Skillshare, like a Skillshare course, right, right? right? I would definitely like get someone good to edit that so that it could be a nice little, yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Just, you know, just doing little things to, to broaden the horizons and then the overall, the bottom line increases, yada, yada. And he talked about the whole, you should pay someone to do something if it's less than like the theoretical amount of money you would make in that hour. Because it only makes sense because then they increase the overall output. And I think about this a lot with people. And I use it in like these weird scenarios. Like for example, not going to lie. When you and our other roommate would go to get laundry and go to another people we know's apartment to do laundry, <laughs> I was like, I didn't even, I hadn't read the four hour work week. I had seen some reviews about it and I was like, man, Tim Ferriss would hate that. Because <laughs> I'm wasting my time. Cause to... Yeah, because like you're you're taking the time and like, you're outsourcing it and like doing this thing where like in my opinion if if that like amount of money mattered to you so much regarding because we have to pay for our laundry and they didn't right like you should just work for an hour and you would make that up four times yeah if there was like a feasible way for you to work the hour don't get me wrong like that in some circumstances you can't yeah i mean i guess that also lies on the assumption that I sat over there and did nothing no, while my I laundry mean, was running, which I was doing homework for the most part, but getting out of my own work office space is uh, certainly not going to be as productive as it could be if I just, you know, handed over the quarters and worked from home. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, you know, is is up to whether you enjoyed or not. You probably got some sort of enjoyment by being like, oh, I got it for free, which I'm not going to blame you for that. That's fine. Like uh, I just, I personally don't view it the same way. No, it was mostly a headache. I just, it was honestly something that I don't think I would do again after reading this book, just considering that it's, it was 350 to be frank. And I yeah. walked 20 minutes with my laundry. There that's it. That, that's what I was thinking the whole time when you guys are doing, it, I was like, man, I've not read the four hour work week, but I know for a fact that in the four hour week week, he talks to, I have, I had heard, watched a video that talked about like the time aspect of that and how like per hour like amount of time you're walking it's like bro you could you could like DoorDash once or something and, and make up that like 4x and that's just dumb right exactly yeah I, I think he was he was very good in that in that sort of like argument he had although he was really brash about it and I thought it was funny that and maybe this could be a segue into the to the next um, topic of like I mean how much should we work you know like how much I don't know if you were thinking this during the book, but his solution every single time 
was just, yeah, work less. Like delegate it, automate it. Yeah, and I think that that's super interesting, the whole automation before delegation. Because I remember there was a quote where it said like, um, like a bad automation system when given, when delegated to someone else, like multiplies the number of problems that you have. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's a good automation system, that's going to multiply the number of solutions that you create. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely not, I think that a lot of people will read this or maybe not read it, but watch like a, a poorly summarized YouTube video and be like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Tim Ferriss is saying don't work. It's not work. I mean, you have to do the work. Like you have to put in that legwork to, get to a place where you're automating and even when you are automating i mean even when he's on vacation it's just like getting back to like routine change he's not taking like a sabbatical where he's here one day and there the next day it it, was, it sounded a lot more like he was taking a month in one apartment living there and creating a new like a new routine where he would reflect and say all right i'm gonna have this system and then i'm gonna yeah. move and move and have this kind of routine for another month in another country. So getting back to your point, I mean, I guess it's definitely not about just working less is the solution, but working now, like to conscientiously think, how can I do less later? Yeah. And that was, that was pretty interesting to me. Um, and I think the, a lot, a lot of the initial like work was important that he brought up. And I think it was a big deal that he like clarified some things as well. And what really struck with me and what people, and this happens in a lot of situations, right? I, I don't know if you know much about Gary Vaynerchuk or like hustle culture. Are you aware of? No, I, I, I know cult, colloquially hustle culture. Like but. hustle culture will be a good topic if we like break down hustle culture and Gary V. That's just that future episode. But um, Matt Diavella did an interview with Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. All right. And he is this big proponent of hustle culture. He is a guy who works ridiculous amounts. I mean, it's like the whole how we were laughing about how much Elon Musk works after reading this. Right. Because it's like, wow, you really you really just think you do it better than anyone else. Because that's the only way you can get it in your head that you should be working 100 hour weeks. Right. Gary Vaynerchuk's kind of like that. He believes you should just grind, 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 grind. But the thing is with like the four hour work week and, and video summaries and all those kind of snippets that you hear, the real content and quality of, of the argument is in the weeds of things, right? So it's like in the small like parts where he'll mention X thing about how, you know, I didn't just go on a sabbatical and I'm not working. I am moving to Germany and planning on learning German and learning how to do a specific skill every time I move there. Right. And in hustle culture and in these uh, pre-interview sort of scenarios or people who don't um, actually read Gary Vaynerchuk's books, which we could read one of his would be good. They talk, uh, these people act like it's only this one side of the spectrum. But it's really important, I think, that people actually like read the book or listen to something that's pretty deep and in depth about it. Because if you just hear the four hour work week, you're missing the point. Gary Vaynerchuk's not arguing in hustle culture. Like you have to work all the time. He says in this interview with Matt Tivelli, he's like, I mean, are you getting enough sleep? Like he'll, he said that point blank. He's like, people just don't read all my books. They just see the snippets I put up that obviously are going to get the most views. Right. Why would I post the stuff that's not going to get the most views? That's like detrimental to me. So, and, and you know, you can make an argument against that or whatever, but, um, he made a good point of like, I think you need to read the books and really listen to what they say in the context of what they're saying. It. Oh yeah. I mean, it's always in the fine print, right? But like, 
Yeah, you're definitely right. When someone at first gets an impression of the four-hour work week, they're thinking that, oh, it's about automating as much as you can and just sitting on a beach and becoming some passive vessel where you're just watching life go by. But it's definitely not it. I mean, he, I think that um, he's a little skeptical as to whether or like what is the meaning of life. He's yeah. kind of impatient and brash as he is with, you know, emails and everything else in life. He's like, well, if we haven't found it, then there must not be any or like Got we're it. asking the wrong questions. But he was saying that himself and all the members of the uh, the new rich. The NR. Uh, he said that they all found meaning or components of a meaningful life in continual learning and service. And you kind of touch on that with him learning German. But when you look at it like that, it's a very active process, not only in the things that you enjoy, but he just seems like this puppeteer that's continually moving pieces. I mean, it's like he's going to do emails for a couple minutes and like delegate all this stuff. It's not that you just press a button and watch the, the cogs move in the machine. I mean, you are continuously fixing and innovating ways that you can make the automation better. Yeah, and a lot of the legwork that he does even comes with hiring some of the VAs that he has, the virtual assistants and stuff. Man, the virtual assistants. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That is so interesting to me. Yeah, I know. And I, I definitely have thought about like doing something in that regard um, when I get to a certain point. Like that'd be fun, but like he, he was doing it for everything. He was doing it for life stuff. Yeah. Emailing his wife, man. I was like, bro, I would not apologize to my future wife. I email through an Indian VA, yeah, no matter how nice they would be. But it was so funny how he was like, oh, you got to send her something where it says like, I apologize, understand. But then also, like also throw a jab in there. Yeah. Let, let her know that like, she also forgets stuff. She also forgot, um, she lost something twice. She, yeah, right, she lost, right. yeah, she lost her wallet twice or something like that. And, and then he gets like, the email back from the VA and like totally took out the jab. And he's like, oh man, this VA is like, you know, she's protecting my id from overtaking my super ego. And I was like, oh my God, this Freud. Is, that's so funny to me. Yeah. And, um, I just don't, I just don't think personally I could ever get to, to the point of, of, trusting these random people with like a lot of financial stuff, you know, a lot of personal stuff. Like I, you just got to make time for the, I don't know. I just feel like you got to make time for some of those things. Yeah. And I, it was interesting that he brought up all those concerns. I mean, it's very watertight, this book. I mean, you know, he hits you with the whole VA part and immediately it's like, Oh, like I bet you're worried about giving them your credit card information or your social security number. I mean, I think today social security numbers get thrown around a lot more than 2004, yeah. but even now, I mean, it's, there's certainly some hesitancy to give that away to a third party like that. But I think that, you know, he says you need to go with some kind of major company over freelance work, not only because you're more likely to have your information secure, but he talks about this part where it's like, I don't know, like what if you're... VA was out sick for a week while you're on vacation. It's like vacation ruined. Yeah. So it's interesting that he touched on that. I agree that there might be. There's limits. I feel like with you, you probably care more about touching your personal finance than I do. I yeah. wouldn't mind if that got automated. Really? I, I mean, don't know. it's not like I don't want to be conscious of what I'm spending. I want to see where things are moving, but I'm not excited to pay my bills. I don't know if I'm excited to pay my bills either. I'd rather go for automation over delegation in the in that regard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then what part of personal finance are, are you excited to do? 
What's I mean, your hesitancy here? I mean, like, well, my family works in portfolio management, right? So I'm not afraid of somebody, like, working with my finances. I'm right. just afraid of, like, I don't even know. You know what? I need to do what he talks about. What is my fear? I don't actually know if it's a rational fear. Hey, What's the worst you, thing that could happen? Down? What is the, okay, the worst thing that could happen would be... I would have my social security number compromised. I'd have to go through a whole like, um, I'd have to go through some credit issues, like where I'd have to like fix my credit, which is really hard. Financial illiteracy, maybe? Like, you know, you just lose touch of. Oh, no, no, that's, I mean, that's been ingrained in me since childhood. I think I'm fine there. Okay. That's not really. What? (laughs) It's like riding a bike. You're not going to forget. I'm not going to forget. All right. I'm just, I'm just afraid of like more practical prop, not more practical, more, hmm. but I guess if I was running a successful business or something at that point, it wouldn't really matter whether my credit score got tanked that bad. Well, no, I know it would, it would, well, maybe it would be held up by the business no matter what. Yeah. But I think that's, I don't know. Do you really think someone else can do it way worse than you could or vice versa? Although, yeah, I actually have made some, I think I have made some interesting funny decisions that i can talk about more personally with you um but that's just it's so interesting how like we all think that we can do it so well i mean anyone who's like you know written an essay and then got a proofread it's like you really think like you got something golden on your hands you're like you're really good at this skill but like just gaining someone else's perspective and like realizing that not only are you not doing it that well but someone else could do it better is like it's shocking to me but also kind of like it, it makes me think that, I don't know, I really mind if someone else did my finance. Yeah. I mean, I like to be, to be clear, I think some of what he was talking about wouldn't apply as much today in, in this regard. I am probably going to have someone manage my portfolio, right? Right. In my life. It was just a matter of like, he was describing that these, these people working in these VA shops across the world were managing his day-to-day activities to a certain extent that, that just seemed too much for me. Um, like with the, the whole wife email. Well, then uh, you get like a manager of the manager, like the people that would manage his time and such. There was a manager that was like a second tier reporter mm-hmm. to him. Didn't he have that? Or am did. I, I think he, I think he may have, yeah. it was almost like, a. A delegator of the delegators or the delegatees. The delegatees. Yeah, no, I think he may have. And I think I think that was a good route to go with, like somebody that he very much trusts that would oversee everyone else, which is a good option. I right. think that was something I did like um, was, was how he, he did a good job of something that I don't think freelancers will like very much. Freelancers are not going to like hearing the fact that you shouldn't hire a freelance VA. You should go with the business. And he's right, I think, in this sense. Why would you hire a freelancer in the case of them getting sick, as you mentioned? Why would you not want to interview a a group or a company and, and interview certain people at that company and have a team of like five and pay them like that? And just in case anything happens with any of them, you are always going to keep it automated. Because the whole point of it is the automation. And if the automation falls off at any point due to some random sickness from the freelancer, I'm sorry, but that's not worth my money. Oh, exactly, man. I mean, that's why, that's kind of why big corporate exists now. I mean, you know, it's 
group action is going to be a lot more powerful than the individual. And like you said, if someone falls sick, you have a whole team that can be, you know, briefed up on your account and continue managing your finances or personal activities as you continue to vacation. Yeah. And um, another good one, and I was just looking at some of our notes here, um, was, you know, he he talks a lot about like meaning creation and um you know how can you create meaning in your life and a lot of people do this thing where they they're worried about losing meaning by by hiring these vas and stuff like that because their job description equals their self-description a lot of the time right which is pretty that's kind of that's pretty sad yeah no i mean he there's another philosopher that we'll have to read about i'm gonna botch her general thesis behind this but it was this i think i've told you about this how in like you know like an ancient greek society you have your role as a family member you have your role in a job and you are working up this ladder to get to the final step which is your role as a member of the political society mm-hmm. it's you being active in some kind of service which is precisely what he's getting at with the one of the two components of a meaningful life. And I feel like so much of the time now, and maybe I've mentioned this before, but we've lost that political connection for a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are super invested in their job to the extent where they don't do some kind of service. They don't do anything to give back. And if they do, maybe it's passive, like effective altruism, where it's just blipped out of your bank account. Yeah, It's not something that is an actual part of your identity. So I think that's... I think that's good that he kind of went against that grain, but then at the end of the book makes an important distinction between vocation and job, where he says that a vocation would be something that you find through reflection. You think about what things in the world bother you the most, what problems are you worried about leaving the next generation with, and then pursuing something for the sake of that, not for the sake of money or anything else. It seems like to me he's trying to paint a job into a corner where it's essentially cash flow where we can you know dreamline ourselves <laughs> finance our dreamlines yeah and he i feel like the four hour work week if i had to like summarize it it would be at the end of the road this will give you automated income without you being a trust fund baby and you can find meaning in your life by traveling the world, learning new skills, and um, sort of continuing to learn and try to provide service in some sort of way. Because that's like what he views as his meaning of life. He doesn't think that anyone has the same meaning of life, which is something that I found interesting. But he thinks that that's the meaning of life. And that, like, his book is all catered towards getting other people to do the same thing. Right, just finding their own kind of meaning in life through mm-hmm. service and, you know, their own kind of uh, continual learning. Yeah. Yeah, super interesting. I had a question for you. As you are closer to getting finished with school, what are one or two concepts you're going to implement into your work life to get you towards the dreamlines and intermittent vacationing? You know, I think this book and i had this train of thought a few minutes ago you know when you're doing these podcasts sometimes the train of thoughts like that you have while the other person's talking leaves oh they not, absolutely leave. not your fault <laughs> um just how it works you know 
in the way that the world currently works, and especially due to the pandemic, and due to the fact that I think I'm, I don't want to say I'm hyperproductive. I know I make a channel <laughs> about it. Sorry. Hey, say it, man. Okay, I, I just think I have a, a high level of productivity, and I have a high level of focus, and I can make actionable plans. On your label. This man did give me some really good scripts for how I am never going to have to work at an office. I'd love the little script, like the little back and forth that he would do. With his like boss? Yeah, that was awesome. There is uh, future employers, beware. I, I definitely think that I will prove myself to future employers, do the whole... Um, he did this thing where he was playing out a scenario where he would say, okay, I want to try to get a a remote working situation and that's a whole chapter towards it. Mm -hmm. And when he talks about, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to make a plan where you pretend to be sick for two days <laughs> and then you're crazy productive using your work laptop, not your work laptop because back in the day he needed to use a program to work from home. Now you yeah. probably just have a work laptop at home. It's fine. Uh, and then you say, okay, I know it was sick, but I was like, did you see how productive I was at home? This is like everything I did. You have to write out what you did. You have to say how you were more productive. You have to say why, like there was no commute, yada, yada. And then you can really manage to ask your, your boss, like, could I get two days from home a week? And then the goal is uh, two. And then you go, uh, I mean, if you're not okay with that one, and we can get rid of it at any time you want. And right. It was really good dialogue. I was like, man, that's... That's some good stuff. Hopefully, none of my future supervisors have read the four-hour work week. Um, or if they have, they're okay with the concept. And then I, I definitely want to go to that next step a few weeks later, being like, hey, look at this hyper-productivity. I'm barely working um, while I'm at home. you know. But I'm, I'm getting all this stuff done and I'm being super effective. And I have been through my life and through the quarantine and everything. So I know I can make it happen. So then I'll do the work from home the whole time. Get that side hustle work in while I'm like working at home. And, you know. Right. That was, that was one of the best parts is that, and I think that now in the current climate, there's a big part of that script where he was like, it almost seemed kind of slimy or kind of slick where he'd like, make sure you work super productive on the days that you're home. And then when you're at work, make it kind of lazy. Well, it's like, how, how hard is that really? Like, I think working at home, like, and I think a lot of companies are seeing this now is that it's just easier to be productive if you give 80 percent effort at home and 80 percent at work you just giving 80 percent for a longer amount of time when you remove a commute and water cooler talk is water like cooler talk you know like it it makes a big difference i don't think it would be that hard for you to negotiate with your employer saying i want to start like half my days at home and slowly phase that into all your days at home i don't think that I think in 2004, that was a much further fetch than what it is now. And I think that's a huge positive from the pandemic. One of the few. Yeah. One of the few is that employers are going to be much more and supervisors will be much more willing to let you do that because they understand that it worked for a year. Yeah. And I think this is a whole nother conversation, but like what happens to the office space and like what happens to downtown hustle and bustle scenes where it's like, people aren't commuting to work as much anymore. Well, I don't know about you uh, and what you've kept up with in regards to some of the proposed things by the government, but they're proposing some interesting stuff regarding remote workers. They will maybe not have to pay. I don't know if it's like paying a tax or something like that, but they will have to possibly pay a sort of 
tax against the fact that they don't have to like deal with all the expenses that people who work in person do. You don't have to deal with wardrobe expenses expenses when you're remote. You don't have to deal with gas expenses. And I think the government wants to counteract that. So just when you start saving money, the government said, psych. Swoop. Yeah, I think I heard something about that a few months ago. So what I think will happen is overall expenses for companies will decrease. I mean, you saw like Microsoft in, I want to say last summer when they closed like the majority of their stores and they went solely online. Mm-hmm. I know that their overall expenses obviously went down because their this like physical overhead decreased a, a lot. I think you may see a little bit of a trend where either the government will counteract it with taxes or businesses will say the perk of working at home, you know, it's going to cost you a little cheddar. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense to an extent. I mean, the amount of money that you're saving is obvious, but it almost seems a little, uh, a little rude that just when you start saving money, somebody wants to take it out of your pockets and especially considering the environmental benefits of this. I mean, you're decreasing your carbon emissions by a huge amount if you're not taking a car or even public transit. If you remove some kind of demand for that, you can take office buildings and think of them as like, I don't know, creating green spaces. I'm not saying tear them down, but yeah, you can create some kind of creative solution that works better than just filling it with cubicles. So that's super interesting to me that they're disincentivizing that with taxes. I think that's very counterintuitive to me yeah and it's just like right when people who are advocates of keeping our climate in a spot that it can last for a decent amount of time the government and businesses immediately go ha you thought you could argue that it's cheaper right <laughs> you thought you could argue that it's cheaper it's the same or worse now yeah and i would have to, i mean i obviously need to read on this tax proposal because i don't know anything yeah. about it but I'd be curious to what percentage of money you're now saving looks like is going to get out of your pocket. I think it could actually be in the form of um, a tax credit for those who have to work in person. I think it was an option that was also oh. proposed, yeah, which is creative. And I'm not saying I'm a, just because you guys said creative doesn't mean I'm a fan. I'm less not in favor of that. <laughs> yeah, Keep exactly. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm less not in favor of that. Still not great. I just think that you made a good point. I didn't even think about the environment when I was talking about how, how that was going to be the case. Yeah. Cause that's all the literature I've been reading is about how we're going to rethink the office space and everyone's going to work from home and maybe we'll become nomadic peoples. We all become the new rich, the NR, the new rich, the four. I love how the four, the, by the way, I love how the book is so long in, in regards to the name. The four-hour work week, escape the nine to five, and auto automate no auto. What is it? Automate your life, escape the nine to five, and become a part of the new rich. I think yeah. the new rich is in the title. Yeah, it's the a new long rich. title. It's funny. Oh, it's cool, man. I mean, it's it's certainly worth the read. It's definitely um, I got my uh entrepreneur entrepreneurial, neural neural sure um entrepreneur brain part of part of my brain working and thinking of creative ways that I could either, you know, automate myself out with new business or get into a position where I'm like you solely trying to automate myself or work from home. Yeah. Um, maybe we should do a scale cause we're thinking about doing future, um, 
book reviews. We should we should rate these. Rate the book? We should rate the book. All right, well, we've given it a lot of praise, so let's consider a couple of the downfalls real quick before... Wait, downfalls of what? Rating it in general? Or? No, oh, I, oh, I, I feel like we've avoided a lot of critique here. Okay, yeah, fair, fair. So, very brash. There's very no counter-argument to this book in his mind. Yeah. Work, Although, he work. does make it watertight. I think that everything that he proposes, he does, he does hit he on a lot of the concerns. He does lock it up on the concerned again, yeah. So, it's it's like a counter-argument that he immediately rebuts. Back, he backhands the counter-arguments. Exactly. Away. It's pretty impressive. That's pretty smart. The quotes, pretty fire. A lot of... Uh, yeah, there were good quotes, man. A lot of Walden Dang, quotes. man. Oh, we're going to have to read that. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to hold the rep. See, this is the problem, though. I, I want to rate them, but I'm only going to pick like books that I've heard are very good. See, that's my thing. So like, yeah, mm, we may have to do like the, you ever seen that guy who reviews hot ones where he <laughs> rates them, but also has a list. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We could do that. That'd be funny. No, oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Give a little tier list yeah, of self-help it. books. Yeah. I'd be like, is, where is this rank in, in the episodes of what we've reviewed? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So maybe, uh, hold off from an official rank now is that what you're saying well there's it's technically number one because we haven't reviewed anything else that's true so the next time one. we say whether we think i think we're going to do deep work by count oh, sorry digital minimalism next atomic habits by james clear uh deep work by cal newport this is the, the next few and then we'll then then chance gets the the pick of the letter for uh Oh. For the for the we'll have to do philosophy books at some point. Yeah, something. I gotta get you a little learned in the world of uh, philosophy. The learned, learned. I need to be <laughs> learned. I, I would. All right. I think. Let's think of negatives, though. Sorry, I I did a thing. Mm. Oh. I had one of those uh, thought flights, like you were talking about. But um, <clears throat> I would say that the, the outdated part of it was definitely mm. some websites. Some websites were. Yeah, some of the, I mean, I, I hated hearing like the WWW, but also um, there was the, there was that whole thing you were just saying about how like um, there's like an application where you can like access your work computer from home. It's like, oh, gee, you mean the laptop? <laughs> so it certainly didn't age well in terms of the technological advances. And I think that, I don't know, he's probably very excited about how easy it can be to automate and remove yourself from a physical workspace now. Mm hmm um other downsides the <laughs> the comfort challenges I, I mixed bag yeah i think like there was one on like making good eye contact and there's certainly something to that but then there was mm -hmm. one where he like laid down <laughs> oh see that was weird that was weird you see he offered the the idea of laying down in a crowded public space just for like 10 seconds just see what happens it's just trying to like create like have people become more comfortable I just don't see that as a growth point. There are better and less odd ways to go about creating that like confidence. And then he never even, you know, he's kind of sections it off as its own thing, like comfort challenge, do this. But it's like, why? Why yeah. would I do that? I don't think he did a great job of explaining like that he was going to do all these comfort challenges at the beginning. I mean, I guess that maybe you should just pull away that oh, I want to be as brash as this guy. <laughs> I got to yeah, do this. That's why he's so comfortable saying what he thinks, probably. Yeah, no, Maybe for these sure. all work. For him, I mean, yeah, but this isn't for him. For him, it works. We don't know about for us. But you beg the question, do you want to be that brash? Do you want to be that no. cocky in yourself? No. 
Yeah, absolutely I wouldn't. I, I've. I, I feel like I've had a life of trying to like hold back my ego. When right. I get good at stuff, I, I, I do feel it a little bit. I do feel the ego coming, and I, I, you know, the people who are close to me are like, mm, keep that in check, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I gotta, I gotta keep it in check. So I don't want to ever become that brash. Right. Aside from that, I don't have any huge critiques. I think I'm gonna hit it with an eight and a half. Eight and a half. I was lingering in that area of like seven to eight. Yeah. But I'll see how it grows on me. If we had to factor in the outdatedness, it's an eight. Yeah. Because I feel like that's, you, it's hard to fault a book for that, you know? True. But I mean, I think you should be forward thinking too. I mean, he was, and he certainly is just, um, you know, another intuition now with a lot of remote learning. It's like, yeah. Tim Ferriss was saying that 15 years ago. A long time ago, guys. (laughs) So he was forward thinking in a lot of senses, but he probably could have done a better job. I don't know. That's it's tough to fault somebody for using. You didn't predict the future. You didn't predict the future when after year 2000, it's been it's been uh, uh, theorized that technology will increase exponentially you didn't you didn't think at an exponential level you're not a supercomputer yeah that seems, that, that's, seems what like that's what i'm trying critique. to say yeah that's what i'm trying to say like you saying someone wasn't forward thinking from 1920 to 1950 is a lot different than 20 2004 to 2021 uh, well i mean i think that i guess forward thinking in the sense of like these are principles like yeah, we yeah. will continue to move like towards yeah. virtual learning but then there's like this like the nitty-gritty it's like how could you see it coming that we would create laptops where you could just carry your work computer home yeah he he didn't he honestly didn't consider he should have put in there like if you were going to have a work laptop top instead of a workstation at work that was really odd to me that he that or maybe in 2004 was just inconceivable yeah that people would for i'm trying to think what reasons like i know if like like financial stuff, like there's a lot of uh, weird level, of, like red tape there for companies right. and and financial advising. Yeah, so I guess bigger picture is that I wish that his steps weren't so specific. I feel like that book could have been narrowed down a little bit if he had just said broadly, like talk to your boss, start transitioning towards working at home, you know, like write down your what you're scared of, dream up a dream line. I think that that would have made it a more continually applicable book. Yeah. And you know, the one time that he did that, I feel like was at the end. Like he, he wrapped it up pretty good. Yeah. That he, was solid where he said like the 13 mistakes of the, the new rich. I would say if you're, if you're looking for a, a quick way to summarize the book and see if this is for you. you go to the end. Yeah. I don't always ending. recommend that, but you know, this isn't a novel. Yeah, don't read the last few. What is that uh, old thing? Like when people like, they say just if you read the last few pages, you'll see whether it's a good book or not. Oh, that's so messed up, man. It's, I've heard of that before and I'm like, no, there's so many good books I've read. That that ruins it. Yeah, you, you read A Tale of Two Cities, just the last couple pages and you don't see everything come together. It's like, there, there's mental fireworks in my head when that book came together. So I feel like you'd miss out. Like, <laughs> but, could you imagine like going to the end of the Harry Potter series and doing that? <laughs> Just only seeing Deathly Hollows part yeah, it's, two. Yeah, it's like, why would you do that? So many questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. The end of a series. Jeez, good Lord, who's Harry? What's a Voldemort? Why are they... What, what's a King's Cross? That, yeah, that'd be awful. Yeah, that would be bad. Um, so as we wrap up, what is your dream line, Dimitri? 
My dream line? I mentioned mine, the whole Route 66 bike ride. I think that'd be fun to go Chicago, LA, just, you know, just credit card and hotel it throughout the way and have fun with it. I would love, wait, I don't know if I could do, mm, I would love to be able to have a moving workstation that could someone, could someone could set up for me easily in like a hotel room, right? And I would go across the country vlogging in every major city, dropping fire videos with some fire B-roll. And I would go from like California and LA all the way to New York, or maybe do a wraparound, right? I had a, okay, I'd start in, fun. I'd start in, start in like Seattle or Eugene, Oregon, because I like I want to go to Eugene. Yeah. It's always been a life thing of me. But I'd go through that whole thing of California, do a little, do a little wraparound, maybe do a little serpentine, you know, go through, uh, go through Nevada, but then go through like the Midwest, go back to Chicago, but like big city type stuff, you know, then yeah, go yeah, yeah. Milwaukee, then go like Detroit. Uh, well, Detroit. Um, <laughs> Picking some odd cities yeah. here. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, like just go through the country and like kind sure. of serpentine through and make a list. And, and then every like month I could like, m- not month, maybe every few weeks. I'm trying to think how long this would be. You know, I could make a list. I'd right. go every few weeks, make some fire content, exploring the world, talking about productivity, minimalism, and showcasing mm-hmm. the minimalism via the the trip. You know, right? Exactly. Okay, that's a that's a bit of a a meta dream line because that's like a whole series. Oh, so that because be, it sounds like be you wouldn't specific. be able to do this in one. Hmm. That's still super ambitious. I like that. Yeah, like if I if I get this to be a real thing, yeah. I will hire an assistant, and it will be my like physical assistant as well. Oh, but you're saying, okay. Like they, they, will, have they a, will, I will have my PC and such and they, I will not touch it. I will not set it up. I will pay for their, I will pay for wherever they're staying as okay. well. I will just make this like, it, it could just be a buddy. I could just get a buddy to work for me for like a year. Dude, you get an RV and just Ooh, put yeah, office in there. <laughs> Podcast, <laughs> RV, RV, big cities. Think big about city. it. <laughs> it's a thought. It's in the works. Could go crazy. <laughs> Could go crazy. Um, but yeah, it's my, it's my dream line. Yeah. That's super cool, man. That's super you. This big cities and still figuring out how you're going to be productive in between. Yeah. Mildly ridiculous, but who, who cares? Hey man, you gotta think big. Yeah. Um, that was a fun episode. I'm looking forward to the next book review. For sure, man. Yeah. I want to, I'm excited for our, our tier list too. Once we get further and further into this series. Because the self-help books that people do in these videos where they say, oh, I, I read a self-help book every day for a week. It's like, well, if you've listened to a bunch of stuff with contradictory opinions, yeah, like you go from reading the 4-Hour Workweek to Gary Vee's books, like we got to take a big break between those. So just just, to, just so you guys know, we will try to not have crazy contradictory opinions right in a row because I don't want to throw people's headspace off like that. So we will try to have like a bunch of different stuff, but not too contradictory. Right. And also you just got to give time to really dig into the weeds. I think like, I don't know, like you said, there's a lot of summary videos out there that are just not doing this book justice or probably any self-help book. Like the most important thing you could do is read it and listen to a couple of dudes try to unpack it maybe, or just read it yourself. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, man. Um, Thank you guys for listening to this episode and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.